Blog Talk Radio. Recruiting Animal here on April 17th, 2019. You know, I kind of miss my old music. I tried some a new song today. It sounded good before I, before the show started. Anyway, look, here's what I want to talk about. You know how everyone is always telling you that if you want to build rapport quickly, which is something recruiters have to do, okay, you have to mirror you have to mirror what the other person does, okay? So if you go to an interview, for instance, if you're a candidate, you wear what the people wear in that company. If they wear jeans and T-shirts, you wear jeans and T-shirts. If they wear suits and ties, you wear a suit and tie. It's the same on the phone. If you call someone up and she's a a slow talker, you become a slow talker. That's going to make her get your message in the format that she likes to assimilate best, right? And you know when a musician plays in a foreign country, uh, he or she or they, they'll say a few words in the language of that place, and they always get cheers. And just last week, unfortunately, after the shooting in New Zealand, the prime minister there, she got a lot of praise for wearing a hijab, right? But sometimes, sometimes this approach backfires. Last year, our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, He visited India, he took his whole family with him, and he got them all decked out in these fancy India costumes. Everybody thought he looked like a goof. You didn't see the press. I don't know. I don't think you did internationally. It was a big joke here. Nobody liked it. And just last week, the famous uh, congresswoman, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she spoke, I think it was the National Alliance for Progress uh, in New York, and she affected uh, a black style of talking. Not just the odd word, but I saw a clip from her speech, and it was all like that, and I couldn't believe it, right? So I made a remark on Twitter. Her fans right away came to uh, her rescue, and they said, oh, you know what? I talk different at home than I do at work, okay? And I said, yeah, but when you go home, you don't talk like you're a member of a different ethnic group, do you? Right? Okay, no answer. I said, what if she spoke to a Chinese audience? Would it be okay if she put on a Chinese accent? Uh, No answer. I didn't convince anybody, but you know what happens when, you know, (laughs) you're winning an argument. The other side disappears, okay? At least I thought I was winning. But anyway, here's the solution. Common sense says that you don't want to do anything that's completely out of step with the people you're talking to, but you don't want to overdo this mirroring stuff either. Just just be yourself. That's what we want you to do here on Jerry. Jerry! What show is this? This is the Recruiting Animal Show! They're getting a little shorter. They're a little shorter than they used to be. I'm going to tell you something. You're waiting like 30 seconds to start your your, your music there. (laughs) I'm not. So you want to blame somebody? Look in the mirror. 
I'll start sooner. I'll start sooner. Anyway, I want to thank my sponsors before we get going. PC Recruiter, the Swiss Army knife of recruiting software. Hire Tool, H I R E T U A L, the super duper sourcing tool, and Hone It, H O N E I T, the phone interview technology. Before we get going, Jerry, okay, I saw to my surprise Jennifer McClure. Remember her? She's been on JJ. the show a number of times. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's always. She always, you know, she's from HR. She always struck me as sort of a, a prim and proper type of person, right? I saw I, her I right on Twitter. You kind of helped launch her consulting career, by the way. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but anyway. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a fact. She, she said, I was if there. You speak at a, okay, if you speak at an HR conference, she said, uh, and you use the F-bomb all the time uh, on your regular life, you should use it on stage as well. No problem. And so uh, I listened, uh, or I read a bit of the Chad, Chad and Cheese show this week, and those guys swear, they swear yeah. like sailors, okay? They have no problem with it. Nobody. So I'm wondering, uh, on this show, uh, should we swear? Should I allow swearing? Because usually, you know, we ask people not to. I won't do it. I won't lower myself. No? Sorry. It's not oh, cool. Okay. Sound like okay. a gutter trash all you want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Our standards okay. should be higher. Okay. I, just, I just wanted, I wanted to I check with you, okay? Cussing, if you're value. speaking at a conference, only occurs for the people who don't respect every person in the audience. Sorry. Uh-huh. 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 I, uh-huh. My bar is typically a little higher for myself anyway, uh-huh. especially when I'm under the spotlight. Yeah, okay. 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 I think Kathy's on a crappy phone again, and she's trying to say something. No, <laughs> no uh, okay, through... is this better? Yeah. Is this better? I was going to yeah. say, you know, when I see comedians or I see people at HR conferences or people doing blogs with, with, you know, swearing in it, it's just for shock value, and I get so sick of it. It's like, what are you trying to prove? Yeah. It's very bad. It, okay. It, yeah. Okay, you got your support from Kathy. Okay, I, I got the word. Got the word from the regulars. But let me ask, I want to ask a question from the guest. The guest today is our good friend, Adam W. Gordon from Candidate ID. I'm going to spell his Twitter name, Adam, A-D-A-M, underscore, W, underscore, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Candidate ID's also got a lot of underscores, Candidate, underscore, ID. Okay? If you want to criticize him, there you go. It's a lot uh, of typing. One underscore, such as in, in, in my name, is perfect. Two. Okay. Way too many. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But look, Sorry. I want to ask him a question. Sorry, Adam. Adam. Adam, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. But listen, uh, what about this mirroring stuff? You're from Scotland. Should Jerry and I be putting on Scottish accents for the whole show to make you feel good? Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's a real privilege yeah. to be on the show again. And uh, the yeah. answer is no. I don't think you should put on Scottish accents. But at the same time, I don't think I'm going to, like, shout like I'm somebody out of Slipknot in order to mirror you guys either. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I think he just kind of insulted us, but it wasn't funny, so nobody gets it. Okay. <laughs> but... but but anyway, anyway, I just I just thought it was funny. This Alexandria Cortez is is like one of the most famous people in the United States, and 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 she thinks it's okay. She knows what she's well, doing. I, I do have. I mean, I I've done a lot of study on neurolinguistic programming, and uh, one of the kind of techniques in in that sort of science is 
around mirroring and around how you can build rapport more easily with people. And I completely mm-hmm. agree with it. So I definitely talk. Uh, so, yeah, you could, you agree with it, but you just told us not to do it with you, okay? No, and you said you're not going to do it with us. But don't, don't mimic okay? like look, your different look, I, Let me go back to what Jerry said. Let me go back to what Jerry said. Jerry said you made a big mess with those underscores. I'm going to tell you where else you made a big mess. On your LinkedIn profile, you've, you, you've got links to videos. You say, oh, look at me talking here. And the, the the link is a mile long. Haven't you ever heard of tiny URL or, or Bitly? Okay, you reduce them to an inch, not six inches. It's a it's a mess. I wanted to uh, use the f bomb there, but I don't want Kathy to get mad at me. Okay, tiny yeah, URL. Uh, go check it out. Okay. I'm 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 definitely a work in progress, and I'm I'm not saying I'm perfect at all. And that's okay. one example. Okay. My my long link. Okay. Okay. I got to ask you a question. Do you think it hurts candidates to have ethnic names like Hamish? Hamish. Okay. <laughs> I have to laugh when I hear a name like that. I don't want to get in any trouble, okay? But it's a it's a funny name. Go ahead. Well, are all names ethnic? Well, they are somewhere. What? I mean, am yeah. I an idiot here? I mean, what's an ethnic name? Uh, Jerry well, it, you, it's one that just belongs to some place. Jerry, you can be in the United States or you can be in Scotland, and if your name is Jerry or Adam, it's fine. But I blend if, right in, in the United baby. States, if the United States, if your name is Hamish, you're going to be out of out of step. Okay. Well, Hamish is a you know Hamish is a Scottish name, and um, it would be I've got a very good friend called Hamish, but it, it, it's a quite unusual name, and people would think that you're maybe posh or something like that. You're from some kind of well-off background, if you've named like Hamish or Torquil or something like that. Torquil? Okay. Torquil, yeah. That's, another good one. that's not a that's not a good answer. Okay, okay, okay. Now look, I, I I told I told Adam that you know we'll get to talk about his service candidate ID. Don't worry about that. But he's a CEO. We don't usually get hiring managers on the show. We get recruiters. So I want to ask him some questions about being a CEO. Okay. So, Adam, first question. How many people at Candidate ID? Do you mind telling us? Yeah, no, sure. There's 23. How wow. many of them are women? How many of them are women? Uh, I think it's about 50. I, I would say just over 50%. So probably about, probably about really? 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, about, we're, we're, we're certainly very close to 50-50. Okay. Is that a policy? Uh, no, it's not. We've got no policy around it. Um, I, we have probably more men in senior positions in the business than, uh, than 50-50. So the two- Glass ceiling, man. Even all the way over there. There you go. No, no, it's not. Because- honest. There you go. We hit it. We hit it. We have three, we have three, we have three directors on our board, and uh, there's myself and Scott as the co-founders, but Jane, our CFO. Whose phone is, is making those gurgling sounds? Whose phone is making those gurgling sounds? And we know who it show. is. I don't know yeah. if it's if it's that. No, I don't know if it is. Okay, but what? Yeah. Okay. Look. Okay. Our, just a few our, more quick questions, CFO, Adam. CFO but, 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 Adam, Adam. 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 Oh. Come to life a bit, okay? Don't 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 sound too low key. Mere us. I know you you're resisting deliberately, but just add a little spice, okay? The energy Put of some the life West. In it. We need it. Yeah. Okay. Look. As a hiring manager, do you think you have to fight unconscious bias? We're always hearing about it. Unconscious bias, unconscious bias. It's wrecking the world. Is it a problem for you? 
Well, yeah, I, mean, it, it's, I think it's a problem for everybody, absolutely. And I, I definitely have to work hard on uh, making sure that I'm not biased against people based on certain things. So you naturally are drawn towards people that are like yourself. Um, and like Billy McDermott? In, like Billy McDermott with that mm. accent of his? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's male and he's white, I guess. So, and he's Scottish. No, he's also so, Scottish. He's Scottish, yeah. but I noticed you hired you got Steve Ward there. He's an Englishman, right? Yeah, that's diversity, isn't it? Okay. Anyway, so so you you assume that even though you don't realize that you've got unconscious bias and you have to fight against it. What do you do? Um, I mean, I think you have to work hard to probe people around their skills and what they're going to bring and. Uh, be very deliberate about not judging people instantly. And we all judge people okay, instantly. So, so you have no formal it. process to filter your – you just take it on personally to I, – I I'm not going to be do. biased. I, okay. I, I do. What about it's – not, it's, not it's not been the number one priority. and it, it will become – as we become a bigger business, it will become a more important thing that we consider, in, like, including me. Okay. Have you ever made a bad hire? Uh, yes. Yeah, several. Why? Where, where, did, where did your hiring process go wrong? What, what did you do wrong? All right, I'm back. What did I miss? <laughs> he, well, I, uh, asked him, I asked him if he ever made a bad hire. Oh, I, I've, okay. So I, I've hired, there's been people that I've hired on instinct, and I've got it wrong. And I've thought this person's going to bring a lot, and actually they've maybe not brought, they've not brought as much as I've expected. Um, okay, so are you saying that gut gut feel doesn't work? Your tendency uh, is to go with your gut can really backfire. I think you've got there's a bit of science and a bit of art in hiring, and uh, I've normally used art in order to hire, and uh, it, it's not the right way. It's not the right way, and and actually some of that's been about in the past hiring people that I've thought have been like me. And what's that? What's like you? Um, well, I mean probably pretty kind of easygoing and um yeah i, I don't know just I've, I've i've felt like i don't know that's a difficult question to answer but okay well did you mean their personalities were you they you were comfortable with them you liked them is that the the problem i like yeah, this well, person i think i'd like to work with her or him yeah. and and that's not a good judge of 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 a, a future employee is that what you're saying I think I think that's part of it, but there's something else that I have done right, I think, and some of the hires that I've made that have been really good hires, it's been people who, I never, I never hire somebody that's like a best friend or something like that, or a family member, but I've hired quite a few people who I've got mutual, mutual friends or mutual connections with, because I think that when you hire somebody like that, they're less likely to shaft you, and vice versa, because you've got mutual friends and things that you know, are gonna are gonna find out that. So, um, I think hiring people that are not a complete unknown quantity is also a good thing to do. Okay, okay. What about culture fit? Is it a, is it an issue for you? How do you figure out if someone's going to fit your culture? Well, this is a really interesting question for me because culture fit. My natural instinct about culture fit is that culture. If you if you hire somebody because they've got the right culture for your business, that's potentially contrary to, to diverse thinking and a diverse workforce. So I'm not really not sure about this um, whole issue of culture fit. Um, you've got to be able to hire it's people on it, of course. You think it's a bad idea, culture fit? Uh, I mean, it, it, 
Yeah, I do. I think yeah, it's. Uh, are, are we, how, how does that fit in with diversity? Exactly. That's my. That's my. I mean, what, what the hell? Oh, I just cussed. Or or qualifications. Shit. Damn it! I mean, oops! Cut me that off. Was, that was an animal bad word. Specifically, an animal bad word. He just said there. Okay, what about, okay, Michael G. Cox got something to say about that. We got to, the show's slowing down. Got to pick it up, please. Uh, I'm with Michael G. Adam Cox. and Jerry. The, the fact is that it, it flies in the face of, of diversity recruiting, uh, and it also flies in the face of focusing on qualifications and past accomplishments. Uh-huh. What about the whole idea, though, of personality? You want to work with people like I want to go to work. I want to work with people I don't hate, and I've worked with yeah, people but, I hate. Yeah, but how's that a culture fit? Yeah, you need a you need a blend of introverts and extroverts. You definitely need that, hundred percent, because they do different jobs. They're good at different things. So that's one thing that I think is really important. Um, but you you all, you, I mean, you really need a blend of thinking. What you definitely need to hire is people who have got a passion for your company's vision and mission and what it is you're trying to do. So they're really interested in what you are trying to do as a business, and that's something that floats their boat. You have to hire people like that. I'm sure if, if I was listening now, I'd be falling asleep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listening and not having a, you know, I got to huh. listen. Okay. What about a continual? Uh, I think I should drop this stuff, you know, asking a hiring manager questions, but what about a continual learner? Everybody wants a continual learner. Everybody wants a problem solver. I assume that that's what you want as well. How do you figure out? If those, you know, that's what people are. I, I completely agree. No, that is, that is really vital, especially in a business that's changing its shape all the time. Because we're doing, th- we're doing things as a business. We, this month, we're doing things we had never done before. Next month, we'll be doing the same. And absolutely, I, sur- I definitely surround myself with people that are problem How? solvers. Uh, don't dodge the question. How do you figure out when you want to hire somebody if they're a problem solver or well, a continual well, learner? Well, you look, at, you look at what they've done. If they've done the same job for the last six years, they're not a continual learner. Uh, if, they've done this, if they've done different jobs and they've kept moving forward and forward every 18 months or 24 months, then they are that type of person. So, and if, they, if they're brand new to the workforce, you've got to ask the right kind of questions around what are your interests? What sort of things are you interested in outside of work? Because that gives you a really good insight into whether that person is going to be happy just doing the same thing and working nine till five and example, adding nothing much. I need an example. I need an example. I, I, I really, you, you know, you're not saying anything concrete. I can't walk away from here and say, okay, I know how to figure out. Okay, like continual learner. Have they been doing the same thing? What does that mean? Uh, they job hoppers. Is that, is that good when you see someone moving to, from one job to another? Uh, can't they grow in the, with the same job title over a period of five years so it's not necessarily obvious? That, well, uh, in a, their, on a resume that, you know, like how do you figure their, out if someone's a, a problem solver or a continual learner? You, so I think you have a way that – go ahead. In their, in, their, in their 20s and 30s, I think that's a really important period in their CV and their resume. And if they've moved forward every kind of two years or so, um, that's a sign of somebody that's a continual learner. Okay. These are lousy yeah. questions. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I just don't feel I'm suggesting moving on to the next question. Okay. Okay. Sorry, man. Okay. I mean, I call, I okay. call it like so I see it. 
Yeah, okay, let's talk about what candidate ID does. Candidate ID is a way is a way to create a talent pipeline uh, mm-hmm. which Adam claims is different from a talent pool, okay? And and you put these people on an email list and spy on what they're reading and then send them different material depending on what they've clicked on and and read. Am I right about that? I'm describing it pretty well, aren't I? Yeah, Adam? yeah, yeah. I, I don't use the word spy. I don't think I've ever used that word, but um, it's not probably too far off what we do. So a talent pool, just on definitions, a talent pool is just a list. It's nothing more. It's just a list of names. It could be a list of names on a piece of paper, or it could be a list of names on an applicant tracking system. It's, it's, it's just a list. A talent pipeline only exists when you know who's cold, who's warm, and who's hire ready in real time. And if you don't know that information, you don't have a talent pipeline, and you're shooting in the dark. Every time a vacancy gets signed up, you've got to go and find 100 people to get 10 who are saying, yes, I'm interested, and then make the hire. 90 of those people have either not responded or are, are saying, I'm not interested. So that's a massive waste of time. It's the biggest inefficiency in recruitment is people spending a large proportion of their day sending messages that are unanswered and talking to answering machines. Okay. You know what? Okay, you made this the definition up. Talent pipeline is you have a list of people and you're sending uh, emails out to them to maintain your relationship with them. What your tool does, Candidate ID, is it enhances that by telling, telling, telling you if they're actually clicking on your emails and if they're visiting you know, whatever site or article you're sending them to. And then if you see that they're responding, then you send them something else that's a little more company-related. Okay? So yours is a better way to exploit a talent pipeline, but but you know a talent pipeline can exist without without having candidate ID attached to it as well. Okay, I, I want to read you what Matt Buckland said. He said uh, he said when people say I'm adding people to my talent pool, he says no, you're not. He said you're spamming email newsletters out to them. Okay, and and, and so how do you know you're not just spamming people? If they don't click, do you take them off the list? Yeah, so Matt's not talking about talent pipelines there. He's, he is devaluing the concept of a talent pool in the same way that I just did when I said that's as, as, as useful as a list of names on a piece of paper. So he's not talking about a talent pipeline there. He's talking I've got about to tell a, you, a list of list. names on a piece of paper is pretty useful. I've used it many, many times, okay? I could use one right now, frankly. So, <laughs> yeah, so, if, it's the right, if it's the right kind of people, okay, oh, yeah. that's... That's valuable. And, if you're and saying, you know what if I mean by, quote, the right kind of people, don't you, animal? <laughs> Diverse? Yeah. Diverse. Okay. Problem, sol- okay. problem solvers? <laughs> yeah, problem solvers and continual learners. Okay. Not look. old. That's what I look, mean. Look, Adam. Adam. Like me. Let me tell you about the value in your list. The value in your list is if your talent pool is 150 people or less. So if you're an executive search and you're placing risk people in Toronto at a senior level and there's 150 of them in the city and you just need to place eight of those people every single year, you're 150. You can keep them on a piece of paper, no problem. And you can talk to them all once every six weeks. But if you're managing a list of 15,000 call center workers, you can't, can't do that on a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet or an applicant tracking system. You have to use something 
to try and understand which of the people I need to talk to when the vacancy gets signed off. So mm-hmm. the, list, the, list, the list on a piece of paper, kind of, it's not very sophisticated, but it works. Okay, if you're no, no, okay. A, Hold on, let me cut you off. Don't, don't, blab, don't blather on, okay? Look, uh, here's Matt's issue. Okay, you, you send out an article to one of these call center workers, how to be a good call center worker. You see that she clicks on it and reads She spends some time on that article, so you assume she read it. How do you know what to send her next? What are you going to send her next? Just another article about, you know, get a good sleep at night and you'll be fresher at work in the morning? Like, what's the second step? Yeah, so this is where you need to automate all of this. So you put in some rules at the beginning, and then you put your 15,000 database into your talent pipeline software, and the rules dictate what happens next. So if that call center worker reads the article about getting a good night's sleep, then it might be the next week she gets an article about nutrition. It might be the next week she gets an article about something else that's to do with uh, how to keep yourself healthy. But if she then starts looking at some company-related information, she's going to... Hold on. Now, where does she get that? Does that go out with every article? You also say visit our our, our career site, and and that accompanies every... Okay. Yeah, it might be. It might be just subtle somewhere at the bottom. P.S. P.S. If you're interested in what we're doing at this company, then click here. That then sends a signal. That then potentially, well, that then accumulates points, engagement points. And once they build up enough engagement points and they do enough meaningful things, that then sends a signal to the recruiter to say, Jerry and Sarah and uh, Michael and Amy. And Hamish. And Hamish. Come on now looked at the job description, but didn't yet apply. So when you know that information, the recruiter knows, I'll contact those four people right now, and I'll probably be able to convert two of those into applicants. Okay, but hold on. Let's go back to Matt Buckland, okay? He's a smart yeah. guy, okay? He, he says, He says, if you keep sending these people uh, emails, uh, you, you know, um, it, it's just sort of, pestering them i mean so do you ever see if people don't if they don't click on the email after three emails if they don't click on the link right are you do you stop sending it well how does that how does that work because he no, says let, you're, you know this is spam he says this is just spam yeah but let's talk about what most organizations are doing so smashfly the recruitment marketing business they put together some great content and they do some great research and they their recent report into the state of recruitment marketing showed that 44% of Fortune 500 companies have got what they call a talent network, which is basically an email list. Of those, only 4% send them anything more than job descriptions, right? The 4% who are sending them more than job descriptions are doing much, much better than the rest. So job descriptions is only for those people who are in the market today. That's the okay, last when you say better than the rest, what does better than the rest mean? What does better than the rest mean? You think about that while I do an ad. Hi, everybody. Recruiting Animal here for Hone It uh, IT. You know what? I should have done this ad 15 minutes ago instead of asking about those questions about being a boss. I don't know. I just think I took the whole interview astray by doing that. But now I'm going to get it back on track. Hone It IT is phone interview technology. It records your interviews and turns the key questions and answers into separate audio clips. And that helps managers hear the motivation, the personality, the enthusiasm that the recruiter just heard, okay? When you can share a story with a hiring manager in the candidate's own 
voice, it delivers a ton of info that you can't get from a resume or from a dry report from a recruiter. So if you want to get a hiring manager excited about a candidate, share some of the sizzle with Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T. It also creates a transcript, a searchable transcript. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about taking notes and missing something. Everything's there. And if you don't understand some of the technical terms, they'll be there too. And the hiring committee or the hiring manager, they can read them and they can understand. So check it out. Hone it. H-O-N-E-I-T dot com. What did I just ask you? I forgot already. What what did I tell you? The the fact that you forgot is okay. I think that's serendipity because I want to just ask you about Hone It because this is is something that that, that could be really interesting. Why Why don't you use Hone It to turn the recruiting animal show into lots of little clips of the best bits? Like Jerry. Well, you know what? Uh, I, because I, 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 I never know what's going to be boring. I mean, I tried to, to, to create clips, but to tell you the truth, and I post those. If you go to the recruiting animal, recruiting animal channel on YouTube, you'll see a number of clips. But since Windows took away Windows Movie Maker, I haven't figured out how to, uh, how, how to create the stuff to upload to YouTube. So if someone wants to teach me, uh, I'm happy to learn. But I have tons of clips. Okay, I have tons of clips, and it, believe me. Creating those clips takes a lot of time, but I don't, I don't have a, a set of questions that I know you're going to be answer interestingly. You know, I've, I've flopped with a lot of questions already. Uh, otherwise, it, it would be a good idea. I agree. Okay, and I know you know uh, all about Hone It because you've interviewed Nick Livingston as well. What question did I ask you? Okay, you, can you, you come up with better. that? Yeah, you asked me what's better than the rest. So yeah, okay. People- so these guys are are not just sending out job orders; they're sending out articles or whatever. Okay, and yeah. that makes them better. Well, what does it do for them? Okay, so eighty percent of people are not in the market today, according to LinkedIn. They don't care about your job description and they don't care about your employer brand. But when you're sending them things that are going to help them get better at their jobs, and their careers, and in life then they will prioritize reading that content, whether it's by email or text message or social media or whatever. So they will prioritize that content if it's useful and relevant. So that for the 80% of people who are not in the market, they definitely don't want your job descriptions. But then when they start to click on the link, which is find out about what it's like at this company, that's when the kind of content they get starts to change. And there's a bit Jerry, more of a focus Jerry, on the important. Jerry, I'm here, what do you need? Yeah, Jerry always says that people don't want to read that stuff unless they're looking for a job. Okay. That is correct. Isn't that true, Jerry? Okay. That's very true. So you've got eighty percent of the people. Eighty percent of the people. A little bit more about it than me, though. Yeah, hold on a second. So if I'm a software engineer, yeah, and I'm I'm working for Uber, and the chief technology officer at Lyft wants to send me content every ten days about how they became CTO, or how to get ahead in your career, or the hot things that you need to know about to progress. Oh, then, yeah, I'm sure that, that stuff's fine. That's However, what I'm talking about. good, good that's luck what I'm getting about. a constant stream of that content and filtering out all the stupid job hunt tips, nine ways to size up a manager, you know, all those different things <laughs> that for, for years inundated the, quote, content world. It wore us all out. I mean, I, I, even as a person who likes recruiting kind of content because that's my world is just entirely too much so i can yep. imagine the number of people wanting to send these software developers content yeah they so be most, sick of it. yeah but the thing is most of that content that they're getting is hey do you want to talk about this job 
And the answer is no. And I was going to swear there, but it's no and then a swear word. So they don't want that. They definitely don't want that. But if they're getting stuff that's, as I say, from the CTO of another business that's in their area, whose job they might want to do in the future, that's going to be insightful stuff for their career. Okay, you know, Jerry didn't agree with you. First he said it sounds good, and then he says, yeah, but it's overdone. Uh, It's overkill. So, I mean, we got no answer from Jerry. I I just wanted to point that out. But I do. We did get an answer. No, I didn't. Yeah, I got two answers my, to contradict my answer each is other. Nobody wants to read that crap. Okay, yeah, there you go. But you you started out mirroring the guy. Oh yeah, it's a great idea. Okay, Yeah, you are. Animal, I would that to... be an argument <laughs> for um, becoming uh, a, a very niched recruiter versus a generalist? Because Adam, then, I don't know why. The, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, Mike? because if you, if you're trying to build this this community or or this uh, pipeline, you, you really can't do that for 20 different sectors or 20 different types of positions that you're applying for. So would it be make more sense to then be? A, uh, well, a, I know a from I, from reading his articles. He says you should have people who who are dedicated, these the, the recruiters who don't really uh, recruit. They do this recruitment marketing. So you might have a number of different people on your, if you're a big company, uh, on your recruiting team who are dedicated to each different sector that you're recruiting in, and they're generating this kind of content. It, it doesn't well, happen on its own if that's what you're, what you're asking. So well, you can have you, diverse. A, a real life example of that. So Specsavers is the world's biggest uh, optometry retailer. They're not in the USA, but they're everywhere else, basically. And they had, in 2017, they had 24 recruiters focused on hiring optometrists. In 2018, they redeployed four of those people onto running pipelines. So there was four less people filling jobs, but those four went onto running the pipelines and doing the content bit and the nurture marketing. And they hired 50% more optometrists in that second year. Less and and did, they link that, did they link their – wait a second. Did they link their additional hires to this recruitment pipeline marketing? Was there a way to show causality? Yes, 100%. How? Same, same number in the team, same number of people in the team, 24 in the team overall, but four less recruiters – Four people redeployed to running pipelines, and they hired 50% okay. more optometrists in the second. Okay, year. look, I got a burning question before before I have to go to another ad, but this involves Jerry. I hope Jerry, wake up, okay? Jerry, are you there? Hold on, okay. What do you need? <laughs> I just want you to listen, okay? Yesterday I, I was listening. Okay, I'm going to do an ad for. I'm going to do an ad for Hire Tool in a second. Yesterday okay. they sponsored a webinar with our good friend Fish Dogs, Craig Fisher. Okay, and he said. He was talking about engagement for your own employees. He said a great thing to do is to ask them to send uh, their pet pictures, you know, pictures of their pets, and put those yep. up on the website. People love to see it, and then send, send them pet swag. You send them these little kits with kerchiefs for the dogs and cats with the company logo on it. Your daughter makes that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and what I was thinking. 
Yeah, what I was thinking was uh, somebody who's using candidate ID with a talent pipeline, you don't have to just, if this stuff's so hot, if people love seeing this pet stuff, you could send out the request to your uh, talent pipeline through candidate ID and, and, and get, a, uh, get a good response. Craig said this uh, stuff, this pet swag is really cheap, and I, and I guess if it's in volume, it's going to be even cheaper. What do you think sure. about that? What do you think about that, Adam W. Gordon? Well, I was silently laughing my head off at this whole concept. Um, I think it's really good, and uh, Craig is really, really creative, and I think that's a cool idea. But that is for an internal audience. I don't think if you're trying to nurture an external talent pipeline, asking them to send their their pictures of their pets in. I do. I, I think that really involves them. I think it's fantastic. I got to do where, another where ad, you, okay? Where would you? I'm going to do where an ad for Hire Tool. I set it up for that, okay? Hey, everybody, Hire Tool, H I R E T U A L. They are the most famous uh, sourcing tool in the world right now. Every week on uh, my Facebook group, at least, people are saying, uh, what do you think about Hire Tool? These people have never used it before. They get, Hire Tool's the best in the comments. And then someone this week, she, she said, what, is, is this group just owned by Hire Tool? She thought, you know, Hire Tool was bribing people to, to brag about it. No, these people use it. Okay, it's uh, it's a full-on sourcing tool. It doesn't just give you uh, email addresses and phone numbers like other uh, contact information finders. You go there, you put in your uh, search requirements in just ordinary English. It translates them into a search string and searches a million sites, a million at one time for for your search and returns a ranked list it guesses uh, who's ready to leave uh, what salary people are going to be at and boom you are going if you were going to create a talent pipeline for candidate id you could find the people by by using sourcey uh, i mean h i h hire tool h i r e t u a l isn't that true adam wouldn't that be a good way I, it would be a good start, absolutely. And uh, I've never used Hire Tool, but Billy McDermott tells me it's brilliant, and he's the authority on this subject. Yeah, Billy McDermott's a smart guy. He's been on the show. Uh, anyway, so HireTool.com. Back to my, our friends. I got another related question, Jerry. Your daughter, okay, she doesn't yeah. have to go to university though. There is a huge, there's that pet thing, the pet swag. I just see it as being absolutely huge. I never, I thought it was nice before. It's huge. But in, a business in just there. the last couple of days, she's uh, also branched into another uh, product line, which is very surprising to me that people pay for. Um, people send a picture of their pet, and she's now doing like a custom. Remember when I was doing those stupid uh, uh, profile cartoon things for people yeah. years ago, drawing their picture uh-huh. with like paint? Yeah, I don't know if you remember. It was pretty big. It was a pretty yeah. big hit. Yeah, it was pretty big. Uh, yeah, it was big. People are paying her to do that for their pets. Okay, she was well, working on one this morning. A lady wanted a, a painting yeah, enough. of the five pets all together. We paid her 25 bucks. Great. That okay. takes, I don't know. Gary. I gave you a good. I gave you a future for your daughter. She's going to earn millions if you take my advice. Would you, you're not can going I, to. Okay, I got a, I got another question. question. Okay, I got another can question. I, I and these are the names. So, so I I got the other idea from Craig Fisher, and I think yeah, thanks, thanks for the parenting tips, animal. Okay, 
That was a business tip, not a parenting tip. Business tip, okay? And and so Craig Fisher, uh, and I think you're wrong, Adam W. Gordon. Uh, Let me just finish. I think Adam is totally wrong when he says it's only for internal staff. I think it's it's a way to engage people where they live. And here's the other thing. We had a guy named uh, Bass Van Van Der Hatert. You know him from Holland? I'm I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be with him in person in about 30 minutes. Okay, he's a smart guy, and he yeah. uh, he is all about his big deal is uh, having uh, candidates play games that reveal their personalities. Okay, and that's okay. how you figure out if someone is a problem solver or a continual learner. And so I'm wondering if you can send out these games through Candidate ID, a different game uh, every month or something like that. It sounds fantastic. Uh, you might have to warn them that it reveals their personality. I don't, I don't know. But uh, what do you think about that? I think it's great. Nobody I know has done it using candidate ID yet, but I agree. It's a brilliant idea. I think it's a great okay, way of understanding you, you, humans. You talked to Bass. You talked to Bass about that. Now, hmm. okay. Now I, t- I touched upon it when I when I just said you, if you want to build a a, a list, um, you can do your sourcing for it on uh, yep. on uh, Hire Tool. How, how yep. do people build? How because so, what people have to do is just like Jerry said, they have to or or Mike Michael G Cox actually said they have to you know figure out their niche first of all, and then build a list. How do they generally do it? There's, you, you don't specify any way. Huh? It's up to them. Am I right? I actually that said You don't niche. do that. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I live – why don't you mirror what I say? I live in Canada. We say, we say niche here, okay? Uh, it, yeah, it's not French, this niche. country. Give me a break, okay? So there's, there's, three, there's three main ways that an organization would do that. The first thing that they would do is – they would start with their existing applicant tracking system data. And if you take a company like Pfizer, they've got 10 million people on their applicant tracking system. So that's a pretty good place to start because most of the people that they hire are already on their database. So that's the first thing. The second thing is they can do a whole lot of different social media-related things that are going to get people to fill in a form and effectively sign up to be part of the list. And then the third thing that you could do is absolutely you could use a product like a hire tool. Okay, to no, no, hold on. Okay, come back to that last one. What, uh, uh, people sign up. What, what, what's going to get them to sign up to get, be on a list? What's going to get I'm, them? So I, I, post on, I post on Twitter, uh, this is the five things that the CTO at Lyft says got him to be CTO in this business. Uh, software engineers, if you'd like to take a look at this, then click here. They click on the link. If they're already in the database, they automatically get the content. If they're not in the database, they get served with, an, uh, with a message which says, uh, glad you're interested. We don't think we know you. What's your e- name and email address? And we'll send How many people your click on that? How many people are willing to give their email address to get, read an article? It depends on the value of the article. Yeah. Can, can I ask for this real quick? Where are you getting this article written by the CTO of Lyft? Well, you, you are, I mean, in that example, you would be an internal recruiter at Lyft recruiting for the internal technology function. So you would be probably talking to that person once a week uh, about the hiring requirements. And you just take your phone with you and you just say, what's, what's the most important things to you right now? Video that person for 30 seconds and either just use the video content or turn it into a, turn it into a short article or something like that. Or both. 
Yeah. So you have to keep doing content from your company to send it to the people in your talent pipeline, and that's the whole. That's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. But there's lots of different content. There's a lot of content on the internet you can just repurpose. So you could take any YouTube video and you could put your landing page frame around it, um, and you've all you've done is create a landing a simple landing page with a with a bit of content at the top and the bottom, and and actually the main thing that you're sharing is somebody else's YouTube video. So there's lots of things out there that you can repurpose. Okay, but the question is, are people going to give you their email address to get that stuff? Somebody well, else's YouTube video. I mean, is it good enough for people to really want? That's Jerry's valid question. Jerry asks a valid question. There I, you go. I, my, my answer is identical to what it was two minutes ago, which is it depends on how useful the content is. So if it's somebody else's YouTube video, the problem, probably the answer is no. If it is... Um, if it is, yeah, but he, uh, uh, Jerry got you on the other one. He got you on the other one. Okay, how many times is your talent pipeline going to want to hear the story about your how your 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 CTO got his job or her job? Really, Jerry, isn't that one. true? Well, you ask yeah, you ask you ask the CTO true. different you ask the CTO different questions, and you get a thirty second video from that person every two weeks. So really, then it's just of people who want to hear whatever the CTO of Lyft is saying. Yeah, I mean, well, people want to get ahead in their career, and they probably want that information. It, it, it has to okay. be. It has to be. It has to be. Great you know content. what? Because like, he's got a he's got an issue. You can run out of info. Okay, if you're just sending general info, they're not interested. If we're they're doing really targeted info, like you're saying, you're going to run out of it. I got to But well, I have look, some other burning. Uh, let well, me ask you a question. Do an ad, okay? But you, let me. You can think of think about it. But I want to know. Uh, you're t- whenever we talk about something, you're talking about these giant companies like Pfizer, okay? Um, what about a smaller company, a recruiting firm? Could they use candidate ID to have a, a pipeline for clients, for clients to, to build a, a potential for people to get to know them instead of just posting uh, aimlessly on LinkedIn and hoping that people in, in their niche are going to see their stuff and say, you know, this guy's kind of smart. You're piping it right to them every month, like you say, and then they're more likely to say, I know this guy. I have a, I have a relationship with uh, Jerry or Michael G. Cox or Adam W. Gordon, and when I need somebody, maybe I'll send him an email, okay? I want you to answer that question, but first I'm going to do an ad for our good friends at PC Recruiter, and I have to apologize that I'm really bad at leaving the ads for the second half of the show. That's that's a, it's it's unconscionable. Okay, someone should take me to task for it. I wasted the early part of the show talking about how to be a good hiring manager. Nobody wants to know that. I didn't get any good answers, and here I am in the last few minutes when the show, I believe, is heated up a bit. Okay, and I'm doing the ads. Sorry, everybody, but PC Recruiter, I'm just going to tell you what I keep saying is the most fantastic thing about it, okay? They keep feeding me all kinds of uh, things to tell you that it's great at building lists, that they've got great you know, support partners, and they give me a list of those people to tell you. But I keep telling you the big differentiator from PC Recruiter to all the other software recruiting software is that it is configurable they don't impose a workflow pattern on you it is moldable to suit what you want it to do okay and it doesn't 
doesn't matter if you're an internal recruiter, if you're an external recruiter, if you're on a big recruiting team, or if you're a kitchen table recruiter, just you in your home, you know, with your drink. <laughs> recruiting, taking shots while you're while you got the phone in your other hand, okay? They love you. Big or small, they'll help you all. So go to pcrecruiter.net. Thank you. Okay, what about building a, a recruiting business using candidate ID? Adam, do you, do you have a tip for us? Because that's what we're I, really I interested do. in. Really, really good link because one of PC Recruiter's customers is uh, – probably the bench, the global benchmark for this, as far as I'm concerned. And that's the Mullings group. You had him on the show, Joe Mullings. They've got a yep. team of 25, 25 people in that recruitment business. So it's not a huge company, but they've got six people entirely focused on content. Yeah. The recruiters are filling a lot more jobs per person because they're getting great candidates coming to them because of the quality and the cadence of the content that they're sending out. I don't know what I've asked that before, Free, but frequency. I don't know what cadence means. Okay, uh, number one, I don't know what cadence means. I know that Joe Mullings, who I, I really like, and I, I met him through you, and, and uh, he posts regularly on LinkedIn. Is he using Candidate ID to send stuff out to uh, executives in the uh, surgical robotics uh, niche, which he specializes in? I can't specifically comment on that. <laughs> well, then why would you say that's the best uh, answer? No, you didn't answer the question at all. Okay. I, as I say, as I say, I can't specifically answer that question, but I can give you. I, can, I mean, the the what the the kind of um, the ethos that I recommend for an internal recruiting team at a company like Pfizer or Lyft is exactly the same as what I think a recruitment company should do. A recruitment business, it might even be a small person with a small company with four people. They are the. They have got a huge amount of knowledge on how to get ahead in your career as a medical devices executive or whatever it might be. They've got tons of content every single day. They have a conversation with a candidate. They come away from that conversation. They've learned something from that conversation. That's a that's a tweet, or that is the or if it's interesting enough, it's a video or it's a short blog. They've got loads of content. Okay, we've actually got a hiring manager on the show. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't mean to insult him by saying that it's not often we get somebody. Michael G. Cox is a hiring yeah. manager. Are, you're kind of. Are you? Are oh, you a Matt. hiring manager, Michael G. Cox? Yeah. No. no? If somebody really. start, if somebody, if some recruiting firm started sending you uh, this kind of content on a regular basis, how would you react? No, I'm the wrong target. I'm not. I'm not somebody that's going to be in their pipeline. I think candidate ID is more focused on the candidate, not a hiring manager. Yeah, not for a recruitment company though. So recruitment companies can nurture their sales pipelines just in exactly the same way, and there is virtually no difference. It's just about no. I think you want to get it. I think Michael G. Cox. You know, you said something completely wrong. The best okay. people to send it to is not the candidates. It's it's. It's the hiring manager so that they give you the business. Then you can go out. Then, then you can make a pipeline from the candidates after you do the search. Okay. Well, it depends, uh, on, it depends on who's in demand. Because if you, look at, if you look at what Joe Mullings does, they do nothing for, for clients. They do nothing aimed at companies. They do everything based on what he calls people, what I call candidates. And, and when, the candidate, when he's got a community of candidates around his business, the customers come to him because they know that. 
Okay, that's what he said. That's what he said. Okay, yeah. uh, let's. Uh, I just last time I think he was here, he said he was considering uh, <laughs> investing in your company. So I, I don't know if that's taking place, but just for total. Uh, clarity and openness you guys do have a, a, a friendly relationship and perhaps even a business relationship am i right about that I, I can't comment on that but what i can say is that his business for a <laughs> recruitment company is the benchmark okay from what I, from uh, what for, I for social media for social media recruiting okay now, you have an article it's very detailed you tell people exactly how often to send stuff out to automate the distribution okay so auto you say automate the distribution of the same email with a different subject heading so you send it out to a candidate then two days later if they didn't open it you send it again with a different uh, subject heading am I right about that so yeah we're well, talking only about once once a month that's not true you pester these people you you don't give up two days later you send it again am I right yeah, but the, the, the thing is, it's not pestering them because it is, the likelihood is they didn't see it in the first place. So what you're trying to do is squeeze as much value out of your content as possible. So here's a slightly more, uh, slightly deeper example of that. You send, you send out the email. Email is the highest performing channel, by the way, it, it, uh, above everything. So you send out the email. For those people that don't open the email, you, your rule is that automatically they get the same email two days later with a different subject heading. And then another rule would be, if they don't open that second email, send it to them by text message another two days later. And you get every time you send the same thing with a different subject heading, more people are opening it and engaging with it. So we've got customers that have 100% engagement rates based on taking this kind of approach. Okay, so Matt Billings, I mean, Matt, Matt Buckland, he would say this is you're spamming a bunch of people and you're saying you're not, right? Right. Okay. But he's not. Uh, okay. I, I, and he and I, I listen. He he is not talking about. He is not talking about the approach that I'm talking about. So when he was criticizing the whole concept of talent pooling, what he's criticizing is what most companies do, and what most companies do is really bad, or it's nothing. Okay. Okay. Does anybody agree with me? I think this is a good idea. Okay. I like it. Uh, does anybody agree that this is high? Pro these are high pressure tactics. Anybody want to comment online on the on the on the call? Anybody? I, I, no. I don't. I don't think it's high Just, pressure. I mean, it, it, that that doesn't make any sense. How, how many times? What is the limit that you're setting on number of times to connect with an individual or try to connect? Okay, with somebody? Uh, uh, is this to recruit? Okay, is this to recruit somebody, Adam, or is this just sending out your your you know your literature? Uh, it's just for, for the it's pipeline. Just, it's what we call nurture. So it's just it's nurturing. It's nurturing, people. yeah. He's Michael G. Cox. He's not recruiting somebody. That's different. You got you got a job opening. I'm going to get in touch with you one way or the other. Throw me out the. Okay. Uh, don't answer the front door. I'll come to the back. This is different. This is just sending out articles. Well, even better. It, okay. It's it's an even softer approach. I'm talking to you today about something that might happen a few years from now. Exactly. Yeah, but so if, you don't listen, just, if you don't listen, I'm going to make sure you listen. That's what they're doing. I got another challenge to you. You say email is the best channel, but everybody says text messages get, get, uh, get like 80 or 90% replies. You're saying the text message only comes after a couple of emails, Adam G. Gordon, Adam, give, Adam W. Yeah, Gordon. I, I, can give you some, I can give you some stats on that. So for anybody who doesn't open an email but then subsequently gets a text message, 
you, you, in, you, about 30% of those people who get a text message in, uh, separately later, they will engage. So it, it's, 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 not, it's definitely not better performing than email. It's a lot less performing than email, but it definitely squeezes more value out of that same content. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you say that uh, you have to put these uh, sensors, essentially, on your Glassdoor, your LinkedIn page, and your YouTube channel. So if people visit there, you know who they are. Is that right? Yeah, so what you would do for, for websites that you don't control, you would put candidate ID-generated links into the um, summary. So you go, somebody goes onto Glassdoor, and they see the uh, Glassdoor page for HSBC. On that summary about HSBC, there might be three or four links in there which are sending them to other places where they can get other information. When they click on that link, that sends the signal to their, to their candidate ID profile, which says that they've done that. Yep. Okay. And did you say as well, if I remember Pixel. correctly, did you say the people, the companies should be posting this kind of content on Glassdoor in order to counter any uh, bad reviews by uh, disappointed, uh, disappointed uh, employees? I'm not sure I've ever commented on that, but they definitely should be sharing useful and interesting content on Glassdoor, and they should definitely be responding to bad reviews. Okay, did Jerry groan about that? That's usually a sign. Oh, no, I'm sorry. To say. I was groaning about an email I just got. Sorry. <laughs> what was that email, Jerry? That was something that made me groan. Candidate turned okay. the job down. Okay. Any final questions? I was almost going to use a famous recruiting trainer's uh, name, but I use the approach of never extend an offer if it's not 100% guaranteed to be accepted. Okay. I you think. Know, uh, you know what I'm talking about, think- animal? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hold on. I actually realized that I have, I have a bunch of questions that I haven't asked. I'll ask one more. You say that RPO companies are going to continue to win market share from internal talent acquisition teams. Like Michael G. Cox might be out on his butt, okay, and, and an RPO can t- will take over from him in the near future because. Uh, RPOs are, are uh, more innovative or something like that. They're better than internal recruiters. Did you say that, Adam W. Gordon? He's not in quite those words, but the, re- the, re- the, the reason I believe that RPO businesses are going to continue to take more market share overall is because they are, com- they are really coming together as global businesses now. So in the past, individual accounts would not share things with each other. They were all in real competition. Today, these businesses have all got innovation teams and recruitment marketing teams and centers of excellence, like the kind of team that Craig Fisher runs at Allegis. And all of the different account teams are really benefiting from those central units, and they're all sharing with each other. So they're much more cohesive businesses now than they were 10 years ago. And a lot of the innovation in recruitment is happening within the RPO's innovation teams and recruitment marketing areas. Okay. This guy is okay. a very sharp guest animal. He knows yeah. what he's what talking about. about. Yeah. I, I've learned Jerry, some stuff today. I've enjoyed the show. Jerry, Jerry, should I? Did what do you think of the introductory music? Hated it. You're drifting away from your brand. Uh, no, I, th- I thought it was all that guitar, you know, uh, jingle jangle stuff that I like, right? Yeah, it didn't do anything no. for me. 
I didn't do that much for me either, but I liked yeah. it before I, I put it want out. Me to, want me to send you something? Uh, you can if if you like. I want to thank Kathy. I want to thank Michael G. Cox. I want to thank uh, Jerry Albright. I had something I wanted to say. Adam W. Gordon, I'm going to take your advice. Thanks, Adam. And the thing is, I'm not going to cut clips out of this show. I'm going to cut out the first part of the show because I thought the last oh, wow. part was good. Okay? Adam W. Okay. Gordon, thank you! Anybody's looking at the uh, website at uh, on uh, recruitingshow.com, but you have a little uh, a young man's, a very young man's face. Has that been good for you or bad for you in business? <laughs> uh, hmm. I guess. Good.